Hello and welcome to Watch the Throne. What a lovely day. This is episode 9, The Astronaut's Wife from 1999. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And I realize we're recording this at 9 p.m. There's a lot of nines going on right here. Episode 9, 1999. It's only fitting that we have our ninth favorite guest <laughs> as the guest on this show. Uh, no, just kidding. She's our number one favorite guest. You may know her from her super fandom on Zack Attack, the Zach Efron podcast. You also may know her from past episodes of Keanu Club. Did you do Cage episodes too? I didn't. You may know her from Keanu Club, Cincinnati, Babes in Toyland. You may know her from anywhere. Jess Knight, Jess Collins. I always get that wrong. Hi, Jess. How's it going? I am one of these times. I'm going to get it right. I promise you. I don't promise you that. That's never it, It's okay. Knight's cool, too. Knight, it, well, as we've talked about, Knight is cooler. <laughs> yes, it is. It, legally, it's still my name. So. I mean, temperature-wise. Here we are, The Astronaut's <laughs> Wife, a movie that kind of infuriates me. Huh, I wonder why. Jess, did you see this? Uh, you signed up for this movie. I think you'd seen this before, or did you see this for the first time for this? No, I've seen it before. And what do you think of it? I'm indifferent. So that's a solid movie for you to sign up to do, a movie that you are indifferent about. Yeah. Why did you want to do it for this? I vividly remember seeing this movie for the first time, like, when it came out. In theaters? Uh, no, I rented it at the local Blockbuster. Very cool. Support local businesses. Yes, that's right. R.I.P. Blockbuster. Yeah, R.I.P. Blockbuster. I remember being indifferent to the, it then, too. I'm glad to see that my feelings haven't changed. Yeah, we have had some real long-term, lately a couple different times, well, most most notably, Mike's 20-year gap between two days in the Valley screenings. Right. Um, and a real downturn in opinion there. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that Watch the Throne is bringing all of these feelings back up to the surface of either indifference or disgust. It's a good place to be. Mike, had you seen this before or was this the first time you saw this? So I actually have seen this one before. I chose to sit through this, um, not like for a podcast or anything. I, it was sort of one of the few, I don't know, alien invasion movies I hadn't seen. Like it seemed like a cool premise, you know, when I heard about it, that this guy goes into space and he might be coming back as an alien. Uh, And then I watched it, and it's like completely from the point of view of his wife. And I was like, whoa, this is a completely different movie than I was expecting. It's right there in the title, though, Mike. It's The Astronaut's Wife, which I wonder if that... Is this a sexist title? Maybe. I don't know. Is it, Jess? It feels like it it might be. Uh, I mean, I guess you could look at it from either angle. It could could be. Because it seems like the only way that this movie is defining her, the main way this movie defines her is by saying she is the wife of the guy you know. That she does not get her own character name. It's not like Aaron Brockovich where you're like, this movie is about Julia Roberts. It's like, this movie is about that guy's wife. I hear what you're saying. I mean, I don't know what else you call an astronaut's wife. <laughs> the movie could be called The Second Grade Teacher, whose husband is is maybe possessed. <laughs> it's hard to work around. I'll give you that. I mean, all I was kind of thinking was I was just expecting it to be different. Like, I don't know. It just came across very slow. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't upset. You know, the point of view was entirely from one person, from one character. I was just upset that you can't really tell what the hell's going on because of that like she has no idea what's going on the entire movie and therefore i have no idea what's going on so i just think structurally it was poorly done that way the problem i think is that this is a movie that is in the hands of a first-time director rand ravich who had written one other movie, I think, before. He went on to create three TV series that I did not watch. He went to go do Life, Crisis, and Second Chance. 
But I don't know how you give a $75 million movie to a guy who's never directed before, because he wrote this, he directed this, like, this is singularly his vision. Wow. He's got Johnny Depp, who's huge, he's got the... And Charlie Theron. a yep. rising star. Who holds it down? She does the best she can in this movie. I don't think that she's bad, it's the material. What frustrates me is that if you read any sentence about this movie, you basically know that Johnny Depp is an alien. I didn't want to read what this movie was about, because I wanted to go into it blank, because I had never heard of it before we started doing this movie, or this podcast. But, like, if you look at any description or any summary, it's like, he goes to space and comes back, and he may not be what he seems. It's like, we just ruined the movie. Like, if we didn't know that, I think that'd be more interesting. It wouldn't be good, because it's got, like, this is not a really well-made movie, but I feel like it's just like, hey, let's spoil the fact that this guy is probably an alien. Is she crazy, or is he an alien? Spoiler alert, he's an alien. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I have a lot of problems with the the storyline in general, specifically him may or may not possibly be coming back as an alien. I don't know. I feel like they could have expanded on that a lot more. Mm. I mean, you said it before, you know, it's told from the perspective of the wife and she has no idea what's going on. So the viewer is left in the dark, which I don't like movies that raise more questions and answers when they're not supposed to. This isn't one of those after the movie's over, you can, you know, go think about it. Like it's pretty cut and dry. He goes to space. I'm assuming he just hears this random radio frequency speaking alien and comes back and then she becomes an alien. He becomes an alien. I don't know. My number one major issue with this movie is that I feel like we don't get to know either of them enough before the incident, especially Johnny Depp. Who is he? What's his personality? Because when he comes back, it's as if he's a different person to her. I can't tell, you know? He seems the same to me because we had one scene with them together uh, under the covers in bed, and that's supposed to tell me everything I need to know? I mean, yeah, okay, they have a good sex life, but when they get back, like, it's, like, even better. So, like, I don't know what they're trying to do with all that. It's just poorly set up. Well, I can see that it kind of sort of might work in that regard because, as you said, this movie is firmly in her point of view. And so if she thinks that he's different, then we think that he's different, even though the movie doesn't tell us that. But we don't know her enough either to tell that she senses something's different. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know what she sees when she looks at him to say, that's my husband. Enough that when he comes back and she looks at him and is like, that's not my husband. Like, I, you know, I don't know. I can't buy it. It's frustrating in that way to me. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just at the, at the end of the day, it's just a poorly made movie where things are not set up right at all. Like, there's nothing here that's truly original, I don't think. This is basically Rosemary's Baby, kind of, right? Thank you. I, I have that written down. Yeah, two other movies came to mind. One was Hitchcock's Suspicion, where the woman thinks her husband might be a murderer or not who he thinks says he is. And then Body Snatchers, uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, clearly. There's some of that going on. There's moments in this movie, and there's actual, like, there's stuff in here that, like, I kind of like, and it's just sandwiched uh, with between so much just nonsense. Mm. Johnny Depp's not good in this movie. I think no. Charlize plays emotions really well in a couple scenes, but, like, for the most part, she's given nothing to do, and she's just aimless. I mean, it doesn't help that there's really only four characters in this movie. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like there's, <laughs> like, it feels like we learned from Snake Eyes that a conspiracy is when there's five people against you and like this can't be a conspiracy even though it is because there's just not enough people people in this movie to like team up on Charlize (laughs) it's basically her against Johnny Depp and then Mr. Reese Sherman Reese or whatever is like oh no 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 
you're not crazy, he's an alien. By the way, he's not just an alien, but they came here in static. And it's just like, okay. Like, it's just... The radio waves, yeah. The way that all this information is conveyed is just like, oh my god, like, just make something... Like, do an... Like, make anything about this interesting. Like, you have a premise, this celebrity, American hero, comes back from space, and oh, by the way, he's an alien, but, like, we never see him in his day-to-day. Why don't yeah. we see that at all? It's too into the choice that we're sticking with Charlize. We're only gonna see the wife's point of view. Like, it's really gonna take that title to heart, to its fault. It needs it needs either scenes without her, and we see him doing shenanigans with the evil people, you know, Tom Noonan, the big tall bald dude who shows up halfway through, who clearly isn't human. I mean, come on. <laughs> like, there's no way that guy's human. We just need other points of view, quite frankly. Like, she can, she can be snooping around, but she, I don't know. Or you could have scenes with other people and just have, like, show it from her point of view, but, like, we never see Johnny Depp interact with, with anyone. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, like, she never sees him do anything. Uh, it's just, it's, c- come on, man. Yeah, the storyline in general is just, I don't know. I'd rather just go watch Rosemary's Baby. And, like, her hair looks just like Mia Farrow. Yeah. The only thing I was just thinking the whole time I was watching it again is, like, all right, this is just sci-fi, like, alien Rosemary's Baby. Hmm. I wish it was played more like a horror sci-fi thing. Like, what's, what's weird about this is just, I don't know, like, how lame it is, really. I mean, there's some nice-looking shots and things like that, but I don't know. I feel like at one point it tries to say, like, is she just crazy and her husband isn't an alien, you know? And, like, why even go down that road, you know? That's definitely brought up, yeah. Why do that? when you can have her investigating, like if you already have the decision that she's gonna start investigating the truth, run with that and make that exciting and interesting and lead down a dark path and right and i want to see her sneaking into this place where they're building this giant airplane or whatever that her twin babies are going to pilot one day like i want to <laughs> see her breaking into this lab and seeing her husband like in his what is he he's sort of like a jellyfish or something like a jellyfish squid in real life Ugh. like that's what he's supposed to look like at the end like i want to see that like let her see that and everything but either they're just not interested in that or it's his vision to be so single focused and that's what's supposed to be interesting about the movie and unfortunately it just makes it flatter and there's so many threads that are just dropped like sherman reese gets her that vhs tape like she goes on this like investigation and like goes to his like hotel room or something and then gets the like a number for a a storage locker and she goes there and she gets his vhs tape and she goes home and he's like showing her this like blueprints like i don't know why this isn't in person first of all second of all it the video makes it seem like she's not having babies it sounds like she's gonna give birth to like computers that are get plugged like to me yeah it sounded like it was gonna be give birth to computers should get plugged into the front of this plane and that was who the pilot like that was weird but then johnny depp comes home and he's like oh what are you watching and she says oh i'm just watching a pregnancy video and he's like oh maybe we should watch it together obviously they don't watch it but then they fall asleep and she wakes up and the tape is gone and that's just never brought up again and it's like well why don't like that's so very clearly there's something insidious going on there's like there's no room for interpretation it's weird to be so subjective in the point of view but so objective in terms of like everything's point and say like oh yeah no he's an alien like there's <laughs> there's no doubt here 
You know, it's, it's really funny. Like, the more we keep talking about this, I can't remember which one of you said it, but at the beginning you said, you know, is the title sexist? Yeah. The movie kind of plays off of the fact that she has a previous mental illness, so maybe she's just a psychotic female. So it kind of plays that up a lot. The more we keep talking about it, the more I'm like, okay, maybe this movie really is just not very nice towards her character at all. No, it's not. But then at the end, you find out that she's not crazy, that he actually is an alien, and then she becomes the alien. Right. And then she's really evil. It's like, <laughs> well, what is that message? Yeah. I didn't even pick up on, and this is the second time I watched it, I didn't pick up on her previous illness that totally needed to be addressed as soon as she saw her best friend shock herself to death with a freaking radio in the shower at a friend's party. Like, what was going on? Was that a party or was that a funeral? No, I thought that was, was a it a funeral, funeral for her, was her husband's it, yeah, funeral, it was funeral in front of yeah. some child. Like, yeah, this woman commits suicide. Like, after she sees that, she should be going to, like, a therapist or something or, you know, introduce the thread where she thinks she's going crazy harder and make that the movie then. Then don't drop it or introduce, you know, have Miles Dyson show up and be like, I got a tape for you. You gotta watch this tape suddenly it's a you know it's a whole other conspiracy film we're switching gears it's like man it's going so slow in the first place for me that like i'm trying desperately to stay in the lane and not fall asleep as it is and then when it's like no you have to like make this off ramp for a minute i'm like dude i'm just not interested (laughs) in where you're trying to take this like i know where it's going just get me there try and get me there entertain me at least try yeah i mean this movie is not that long like it's an hour 48 I think but like I had to stop halfway through I was just like I cannot sit here for two hours almost and just like it's just so plodding Mm -hmm. and like predictable like it's not like you don't I guess you do know where it's gonna go but it's also like just secretive enough to be like do I and it's like no no I actually no I know exactly you know what I mean Mm -hmm. it's like it's like do I think like it injects like just the the tiniest hint that it might be something more than it is and then you're like oh no this is exactly what I think it's going to be there's nothing original here it's just a bummer because like you know we talked about on the first episode of this podcast Mike how we never really had a horror movie and like Children of the Corn 3 wasn't great yes it was but it was like (laughs) <laughs> but, I mean, it was good. It was fun enough to be like, this is something fun to talk about. We also haven't had too many science fiction movies mm. on any of the shows that we've done. And this, it's like, it just kept reminding me of, like, the day the Earth stood still. We're just like, there's stuff that could be interesting here, and yet it's just presented in the most boring, flat way possible. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason to be invested in this at all, because you know where it's going to go. But unlike that movie, which sort of had, like, some weird stuff happen at the end, like, here it's just like... Oh, there's like the one scene where the alien transfers from his body to her body, and that's literally the only like interesting thing visually that happens this entire time. Yeah, I actually like this premise a lot to the degree where I'll go a little Tobin and have a revelation, a reveal here, here I guess, or whatever. When I was at uh, in college, you know, trying to be a screenwriter and stuff, I had a premise quite like this that I was trying to constantly finish the script for. And the idea was that this guy, he either goes into space and comes back an alien, or he goes out into the woods and he comes back an alien, and his wife notices the changes in him and everything. And towards the end of the film, the husband actually decides that, you know, I'm going to fight for the humans and cancel the invasion and try and stop that from happening and work with his wife to, like, fight the... uh, 
guys he works for at the end. Unfortunately, they're too late and the invasion happens, but like the idea that he kind of falls in love with the Earth through the human that he's living with, and yeah, it's kind of a different take on the idea. So that's why I was excited for this premise. And yet it just does absolutely nothing creative or original with it. No. At all, in the slightest. What we do have in this movie is talk of Peaches, which is very exciting to me uh, as a Nicolas Cage fan. We have Peaches mentioned a couple different times. She first says, ain't that a peach? And then they talk about Peaches themselves, talk about George's Peaches. I mean, it's just like, wow, this is this is pretty incredible. There was another cage connection somewhere in here. Oh no, there was. It was actually, it's a Theron connection. I think I guess. About, uh, is it related to peaches, kind of? No. What do you? Which one? Oh, because they also about? talk about corn. They talk about corn and peaches. <laughs> and so going all the way back to children of the corn again, doing the dirty corn. <laughs> so I missed the corn too, man. I just was not staying awake during this one for me it was new york like she just her characters every time they go to new york something terrible happens to them and it's just like a huge conspiracy and they gaslight her and like basically her life gets ruined so i'm weary now going ahead if i see you know a movie that takes place in new york city i'm just going to instantly think that rough times well it's ha- it has to be a character. movie that originally does not take place in new york city and then moves to new york right. city because that is when bad bad things happen migrate to new york yes you know it's also interesting jess what we decided that we're going to do on this show as we go through these movies to make life easier for us in the end but also to make the awards show more accurate, is that we're doing awards by movie as we watch the movie. And so for okay. The Devil's Advocate, the other movie where she moves to New York and her life falls apart, we created a new category called Best Character Transformation, going from pure to dead inside, basically being broken. Here, again, got a nominated for Best <laughs> Character Transformation, going from what I wrote, victim to alien. You know, she is this normal woman who has just becomes possessed, grows her hair out, and then is just like this menacing figure. So not only, Mike, do you move to New York and like just have your life ruined, but you also transform in a terrible, terrible way. <laughs> that wig at the end was just god-awful. You know, I was surprised, and I think we saw it, oh yeah, we saw it last week too with Celebrity, that we got short hair Charlize so quickly. I know that she's had all sorts of different haircuts over her career. It's something that we really had did not experience at all with Cage or Keanu. I mean, I mean, look at her counterpart in this. Johnny Depp has had all sorts of crazy hair. I feel like Cage and Keanu, and even Shia for that matter, and Zac Efron pretty much all have relatively the same haircut throughout. You know what I mean? Here, we're nine movies in. We've had a couple different haircuts. I mean, we know the Furiosa real tight shaved head is coming up later. It's something to watch, you know, in a, in a female-driven podcast. Like, what's our hair like? Yeah, you know, I think, like, it's... Last week was Mighty Joe Young, wasn't it? Or Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, and that, and that she still had pretty short hair, but in Celebrity and in this, and whether... I mean, I know her character doesn't put on a wig in this movie, but the actress herself right. in both movies puts on a terrible wig. Well, actually, we don't know that her character doesn't put on a wig. I mean, maybe, oh, you know, we, she's married to this new guy at the end with, like, five-year-olds or seven-year-olds or whatever who just love listening to Static on their way to school in the morning. But maybe she's living this life where she's just wearing this red wig. I mean, anything is possible in, the, in a world like this. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Anything's possible at this point. Hi, Editor Joey here. Uh, I just realized how crazy it is that we say that Nicolas Cage's hair didn't change much because of course it did. I think the point that Mike and I were trying to make was just that Charlize Theron's hair changes much more frequently than Cage's, but I don't want to discredit Nicolas Cage's wonderful hairdos or for that matter Keanu Reeves changing hairstyles 
as we seem to have mentioned in this podcast. Well, speaking of hair, what about Blonde Depp? I mean, yeah. that looks ridiculous. He's got, like, the frosted tips or something. I, he I didn't like recognize he, him at first. Yeah, he looked... Who's that guy, like... I'm thinking of Smash Mouth, but there's another guy. <laughs> Chris and Nico are going to hate me if they ever hear this because I can't remember the name of this guy. But, like, you know, he looks like he is the leader of some, like, 90s ska band with those frosted tips. Like, it's weird. It just doesn't fit his character. And I was also getting the problem, Joey, I was having with Clooney and Solaris. I was saying I was kind of having trouble accepting Clooney in space. I don't really buy Depp as an astronaut. Like, I can't by Depp in space. Well, good for you. He does literally nothing astronaut-like in this entire movie. <laughs> we don't see him actually go into space. We don't see him come down. I don't think we ever see him in the uniform. We see a shot of him in space when he's getting taken over. We see, like, the alien presence, like, kind of drifts towards in him. In her dream, right? Yeah. Is it her dream, or is it the twins? I feel like they're projecting the image of what happened to her. I wish that was more clear, and, like... I'm just gonna, you know, make it more interesting. The twins are getting giving her visions. So actually, what's interesting about the twins is that in the script, and also, Mike, you'll, have note, you'll take note of this, in the novelization of Ooh. this film, the author pays special attention to note that the twins basically give off some kind of signal that Johnny Depp is able to use to track where they and Charlize are. Hmm. And so that's why she could never really escape. And none of that is even, like, slightly communicated. No. The fact that she's carrying around two half-alien babies, she otherwise has the most normal pregnancy in the history of, like, movie (laughs) pregnancies. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah, she doesn't even go to the doctor, right? She goes to a support group. Like, what is that about? A support group for women who are about to have twins. Like, a very, very specific support group. Like, and I understand, like, that exists, but in a movie, you'd rather see her go to the doctor, and the doctor, maybe he's in on it, right? So she gets the all clear, and she can be like, I'm definitely not okay. Or if she was going to talk to somebody, she could be like, my unborn babies are telling me my dreams, you know, or whatever, and then he can be like, I think we need to up the Thorazine or something, like, we need to put you on harder tranks, like, there's nothing done with it, I just wish, all we get is Johnny Depp point at her and say, I'm in you, or something, like, ah, that's me in there, and it's like, well, you know, like, under less creepy circumstances, like, a father would lovingly say to his wife, possibly, like, ah, it, like, we created something together, like, I'm, it's, you know, like, this is so exciting, but, like, he just points and is like, me, in there and so I just it's like (laughs) what is happening man like that's all we get well there's a lot of strange lines in this movie and that's being pretty generous there's one that I wrote down they're at a gala or something I don't know who cares and the woman says and I quote I used to be into AIDS but now I'm into hunger and it's like yes is that supposed to be a joke or is that like just terrible like I can't tell because there's nothing else about this movie that tries to be funny is this now a satire of like the 1%? Like, I don't know what this is. It's like you said, there's too much stuff that starts and then it has no ending. The woman that she maybe was gonna become friends with that she met at said gala, she hangs out with her one other time when she passes her the pack of abortion pills, which I have never heard of that in my history of being a female. You know, maybe I'm just not hanging out with the right kind of people, but- It's a really late plan B. I mean, that's especially weird because I thought that was the wife of the tall, bald guy who Johnny Depp goes to work for. So I was like, why is she helping her abort the baby alien pilot, future pilot twins, if she's malevolent? You know, I was like, what is 
happening? Like, this is so unclear. What is this motivation? I don't understand it. Very, very upsetting. Well, everybody just does things in this movie. Like, there's no reason why any of it happens. <laughs> Johnny Depp is obsessed with her heartbeat. Like, after he's alien Depp, he's, like, obsessed with her heartbeat. Like, he feels her throat. Her pulse and, like, and stuff, right? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. It's like, but, like, we don't know why. Like, there's no... There's no why to that. There's no reason there. Maybe he thinks he can track her ovulation cycle through her pulse. I, I, maybe he can. Although I feel like with his alien sperm, like he's just going to knock her up no matter what. Like it's just, they're going <laughs> to hang out in there until like it's time. But then like later when she's doing that like fun dancing scene, I did add a category best dancing scene. I don't know if we're going to get more, but we have this there. When she's like pregnant and like dancing around the kitchen, like eating food or whatever. She starts like wiping food, like where he like feels her pulse. And just like, why are you okay with this weird fetish. Yeah, there's lots of weird sexual stuff going on once he becomes alien Depp. That's why it's just weird that they set, they're set set up as a couple for everything you need to know in bed to begin with, because like it becomes like this weird sci-fi sex drama thing that I don't understand. Like, like when a psychosexual drama, yeah. Yeah, but those can be like cool and interesting, like the untamed, you know, but then you get something like this that's just like lame. You get the scene when they're at that gala, whatever, who cares and he like pushes her up against the wall and starts fingering her and then they're like full on having sex and then suddenly they're in their bed they've like warped over <laughs> like what there's a lot going on in this scene yeah i want to talk about this scene <laughs> so they are upstairs at a gala right and he gets her up against the wall so charlie says to him what was it like like i want to know about those two minutes because the whole thing was that they lost contact with the astronauts with johnny depp and nick cassavetes cage connection face off also rosemary's baby oh yeah his dad that his dad was the star who starred in rosemary's baby anyway they lost contact for two minutes. They don't know. You know, the astronauts, the, the NASA spa- land, space control, whatever, freaked out. That's when the aliens traveled via static and took over the bodies. And so Charlize says, I want to know what happened in those two minutes. And Johnny Depp says, and I quote, I felt warm. It was the warmth of your vagina, of your body, of your hands. Then he fingers her. Then, like, the camera tilts 90 degrees. <laughs> they're, like, she's laying on the wall. And then, like, we, like, zoom out and they're on a bed. And it's like, why is this? the scene you're choosing to get artistic and creative with like what is going on like this did you make this movie just so you could see johnny depp and charlie Theron have sex like i mean i guess it's the inception the you know the conception of these alien babies but like why are you getting artsy now dude here's what i want to talk about that has nothing to do with the artistic vision of the scene the one plot point that never gets dropped in this movie is the fairy tale that she talks about the girl and the prince and her being raped oh and oh, yes. in this mm-hmm. scene, I'm like, oh, so, you know, her husband is basically raping her. You know, it's really uncomfortable to watch. And then later on in the movie, she keeps bringing it up. And I'm like, we're talking about rape here. <laughs> and it's just like, it's less about aliens now. And it's more about, oh, I've been raped, but they may be my husband's babies, but maybe they're alien babies. And maybe I should just keep them just in case. Maybe one's an alien, one's a, maybe one's a regular human baby. I don't know. I don't really want to, you know, chance it. It's like, what is happening? It's a pretty terrible metaphor. It's like, well, there's a 50% chance that my babies are rape babies, but, like, there's a 50% chance that they're my actual husband's babies. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. Like, maybe I should keep them. It's just like, why is this? The, like, Yeah. Oh, I, I think, yeah, I don't understand why the, I mean, he wrote, it seems like he wrote himself into a corner by needing to have babies pilot his alien craft because now you're into all of this 
bullshit about we're talking about here because I don't like that the movie is trying to be Rosemary's Baby in the sense of the sort of like depression of being pregnant or comments on that or having you know mental problems while you're pregnant I don't know I don't feel like that's treated tastefully in this context you know so I would much rather (laughs) the movie is about not being pregnant but about like her you know trying to figure out what's going on with her husband and foiling his plans like it's just that is just a, such a crazy turn. I don't understand why the movie's about that. Or, like, if you want to make it about alien babies, make it so that, like, she's worried about her husband, she starts investigating him, something happens that she's like, oh, no, no, this is my husband. They, like, reconnect, she gets pregnant consensually, and then, like, once she gets pregnant, then weird stuff starts to happen, right? Like, yeah. you don't have to make Get this pregnant about before rape. he goes to space, and then don't find out until after well, he's back and then it's like is this an alien baby isn't it i don't know that would be tricky although i guess that's that's kind of i guess that's the that's the other prince in her story right like they had sex before he left and then they had sex they did the dirty corn before he left <laughs> they did the dirty corn after he got back and it could be I one or that. the other <laughs> although the doctor they do do they do go to one doctor in this movie and she's like, yep, nine weeks, give or take a day. And she's like, okay, like, I guess you can know exactly how old this baby is, whatever. So she knows which time it was. The other thing, uh, this is sort of derailing what we're talking about here, but like, the doctor seems immeasurably confused when she sees twins. She's like, that's the heartbeat. <laughs> yes. She's like, but wait, wait, what's this other thing? Oh, oh, it's another heartbeat. I was like, wait, does this baby have two hearts? She's like, oh no, it's twins. And I was like, well, why, why is that the way that you're like, this character is delivering this information? She was saying it like it was a problem and Charlize was getting extremely worried. Yeah, when she was doing the sonogram and it was showing what her womb looks like, I'm sure you guys haven't watched very many movies where women are getting sonograms and it shows what it looks like when she's early, like pregnancy, but it's like just this little tiny dot in like this void and you're looking at this sonogram on the tv and it looks like a freaking full-blown baby in like legs and i'm like is this supposed to be like the quick progression of the alien baby and then it's like oh there's two of them it's like what is what is this so at nine weeks pregnant which i think is what she is yeah the baby is the size of a cherry right and so these babies are like full-blown babies (laughs) yeah so maybe the doctor isn't on it i missed that scene altogether again i mean i I remember it but i don't remember it having an impact enough to be like oh yeah like the doctor scene I wish that she oh, went back it, it to her cuts doctor. To her and she's like, this could be cold. Mm, that's right now. Yeah. Then, yeah. I remember the sonogram stuff right. I, I just wish she had was more involved. Go back to the doctor and look, if she wants to not have these kids, why did you go and take the like creepy looking pills from this lady you just met instead of go back to your doctor and be like, listen, I can't have these babies. Like, I need some options here. Like, I need to talk to you. And then you can have the doctor be like, oh, let me call your husband. You know, like everything's going to be just fine. You know, get into it a little more with that. Make her world collapse around her a lot more than we have. Because now it's just way too much in her head. Like, she basically like sits at home a lot, looking at a radio, thinking about her friend who committed suicide like not wanting these babies it's 
it's really weird. It really feels like not a lot happens at all in this movie. If I saw one more goddamn close-up of a goddamn radio in this goddamn movie, I was going to lose my mind. It was just like, hey, have you noticed how important radios are in this movie? I don't think you realize how important radios are in this movie. Guys, the radios are pretty important in this movie. Like, do you, do you realize like every time there's a scene, no matter where they are, there's a radio that she's looking at. And that's how her friend kills herself. That's how she... like threatens to kill herself like that's i guess how the aliens got there like it's just we get it it was really great propaganda for radios because while i was watching it i was like man i wish i had a radio in my house <laughs> this is just propaganda for big radio man. <laughs> you, you know what it felt like to me i found it annoying i mean i didn't want to smash every radio in the house afterwards but it was like okay here's the major prop of the movie is like a radio and like we're just gonna work it into as much as possible so like ah, we'll have a scene where johnny depp like can't sleep so he's just like holding the radio at night and she'll walk in on him and he'll like flip the channel or whatever or later like she'll turn the radio on and dance like how else can we just work in this radio it's bad <laughs> like it also goes back to me about how few people are in this movie. It, it felt like it should have been like a play or something about like this couple arguing about a radio instead. And like one of them hears alien noises and the other one thinks they're crazy. Like I would just rather go watch that. Yeah, because that would be better. Like this is just, <laughs> man, oh man, oh man. So again, later in the movie, when she's dancing to that radio, like you just mentioned, when she's pregnant, when she's eating all that food, Giant Depp is basically like, hey, we're going to have sex again now. We're going to do the dirty chord again right now. And Charlize says, and I quote, think you can handle all three of us? It's not <laughs> fucking the babies. Like, why is that a line in this movie? Like, what is going on? They treat her character like she's completely ignorant. But, like, she's not, because she's no. a teacher. She's, like, a good, by all intents and purposes, like, a good teacher whose students love her, who she's, like, patient and kind with and, like, is willing to field questions about, like, God and, and like, space lasers or whatever, <laughs> and then, like, is reading Rumpelstiltskin later. I'm like, is this thematically relevant? And, like, <laughs> the whole kid has the entire, or the whole class has the entire book memorized. Like, she's a good teacher. She's a good sister. You know, we have Clea Duval in this movie who is has blue eyes and brown eyes at different points in this movie. She's wearing contacts in some scenes and not in other scenes. So <laughs> what? Who knows I if that totally was intentional? I don't yeah, know. That, that irritated me too. I did not catch that. Bananas. Like, she's a good teacher, a good sister, you know, a good wife until she suspects something. Like, she's good across the board. Why are you just, like, a dum-dum? Yeah, I think it also plays into the stereotype of, you know, you can't be attractive and smart. Maybe that's just, you know, how she is with with him. We saw that last week with Mighty Joe Young. Her character was, like, super smart about animals and the jungle and was able to learn Bill Paxton a thing or two in that movie. And, and she was extremely beautiful. It's like, I don't understand why she can't keep it together in her life here. Like, I understand that you want her to be scared. I would be scared, too, if my spouse was a monster, like, overnight and, you know, no one believed me. But... I don't know. You don't just like kind of curl up into a ball into a corner for the rest of the movie, you know? Like, that's not a movie. You have to like go out and do something about it. So that's why I was like excited when Miles Dyson showed up and he was just like, Your husband's not your husband. I'm like, Finally, yes, the movie is like deciding to do something about it. And then, like, no, as soon as she goes to like meet him, he's like intercepted by Johnny Depp because apparently he can like track her wife, his wife. Most of that is also dropped. I don't, I can't find anything else to 
follow. Speaking of Miles Dyson, and also speaking about how just characters in this movie are dumb, there's the scene that we later find out is after he's been let go by NASA because he's a crackpot, basically, although he's right. Like, NASA thinks he's crazy, but he's right. And he shows up to, like, that toy store, I think, right, where she is? And he sees her and then just immediately goes and puts his hands on her belly? And I'm like, this is not how people act. I mean, like, this is how, like, crazy people act. It's weird how, like, nobody has any social cues. We leave and, you know, he's trying to get her the briefcase or whatever, and Johnny Depp happens to be there because he can track her, and, like, nothing, like, no one in this movie, except for Johnny Depp, apparently, is good at things. Like, everybody's just bad at things. Like, whether they're trying to investigate people or get away from people, or tell people the truth. Like, nobody is good at things, except for Johnny Depp, who cannot be beaten until the very end of the movie when he's electrocuted. Yeah. (laughs) So a major problem I had by the end of this, when you find out at the end that the alien presence can sort of body hop if it needs to, why the fuck does it stay in Johnny Depp once it's back on Earth? Why the hell doesn't it, like, work its way into the president somehow or someone else in power and take over the whole fucking world or something? Like, it's just dumb that the alien's objective is to build this, like stealth bomber for America that, like, can't be traced. Like, the whole idea is it's going to fly over a city and wipe it out with, like, an EMP noise, and no one's going to understand what happened to, like, the electronics. Is that, that's, 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 I follow properly, like, that's his big plan? I don't know. <laughs> that is the shittiest plan for an alien to have that I have heard in a really long time. Yeah, like, why Why wouldn't you body jump and impregnate everyone? Propagate the species. Right, do the ego thing, right? Like, from Guardians of the Galaxy, just, like, be everywhere and be everyone. Well, the, the reason is that, like, it might be doing that, but we don't see it because we're not, we're focusing on the astronaut's wife. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's what we're focusing on. And the other thing about the stealth bomber, like, did you get a sense that Johnny Depp was, like, trying kind of hard to, like, be Maverick, be, like, be Tom Cruise in this movie? Yes. He's talking about how he's, like, a, an American hero, and he's just, like, you know, on this cool pilot and everything. It's just like, I was just like, oh, why is why is this happening? Yeah, I don't feel like Johnny Depp can do macho very well. The, it's a combination of, like, the idea, you know, like, a lot of those astronaut guys are crazy test pilots. You know, I think of like the portrayal of Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern. Like, yeah, they're like cocky, risk-taking, Poe Dameron style pilots. And he can't really pull that off, in my opinion. And the other half of the astronauts are like, the, you know, the super science nerdy lab guys, too. And I don't feel like he pulls that off either. So he's just kind of stuck in this southern drawl where he doesn't belong anywhere. Oh, boy. So at the end of the movie she realizes that he is an alien or that he has an alien inside him or whatever and he comes back to their apartment and she's, I guess, maybe about to kill herself or maybe setting a trap or whatever. Is he avoiding the water? Like, it feels like it's a prequel to Signs in that, like, he's <laughs> afraid of water or is he just afraid of being electrocuted? Like, I can't figure out why... Like, he's, he's, like they mm-hmm. keep cutting to his feet and, like, he keeps taking steps back from the water and, like, I can't tell if that's because he doesn't want to die or if he's, like, or if water's gonna harm him. Like, I don't... It's just... It's it's all weird. I feel like he's afraid of being electrocuted, but then, to Mike's point, if they can body job, like, what does it matter? Like, it's not going to die. It could go somewhere else. The only weaknesses that were set up for the aliens is that Nick Cassavetes' 
couldn't maintain his body because he was older or something, right? Like, that astronaut was older than Johnny Depp by a few years and was in less physical shape, I guess, and so that alien sort of died and took the body with it. Since this one didn't reject the body, like, I'm assuming nothing can kill it. You know, like, why would it matter if it got electrocuted, if it can kind of surf in the radio waves and go anywhere it wants? Yeah, like, there's no reason for it to be scared whatsoever except to be fucking with his, with Charlize, you know? And to say, like, I'll let her think she's got the upper hand until the very end when she doesn't. Who even knows? I don't even know where to begin or end with this movie, but I do not like it. You know what actually I realized as we are talking about aliens and we're talking about Tom Cruise and everything. 15 days ago on Magic Mike's, we just did War of the Worlds, which Channing Tatum is Where in, is he in that? He's uncredited. Do not know. Um, <laughs> we have not watched it yet. We will watch it soon as we are recording this. Okay. Five days ago on Boyfriend Material, we did Blade Runner 2049. It's a very big month for sci-fi and this movie is just a turd. <laughs> Oh, boy. Jess, do you have any other notes about this movie before we get into our Hollywood tycoon game or anything else? Two not negative things about this movie, since I am semi... I'm, I'm still indifferent. I really enjoyed Shirley's in this movie. I forgot how good she was early on. I don't know. I feel like she wasn't struggling, and her facial expressions were really great. And I really liked how she worked so hard to convey how she was feeling through not actually having to say anything. I feel like that's kind of hard to do. I think we've seen that a couple times, right, so far, Mike, that, like, Mm -hmm. again, I don't know if this is biased because we're doing the podcast, but it feels like she's the best part of a lot of these movies, and yet just a few times already in not that many movies, she's given very little to work with. Yeah, absolutely. Especially here, I was thinking to myself, like, how is she getting this out? I don't, I can't, you know, like, it seems like she's getting incredible direction because she's, performance is fine. It's, like I said, it's the material. Like, I can't believe she found this much to work with here. She has to kind of, it's kind of a marathon for her. Like, she just has to get, like, more and more sort of hysterical. Like, I don't know, she just seems to be more and more worn out by the end of the movie, you know? Like, she just gets run down a lot. And so all of that really comes across. I just wish it was for for more you know I just wish there was more there like and other people were really working with her like Depp is giving her nothing like I fucking hate him in this movie like not only because like his performance sucks but but because he's not playing with her you know what I'm saying like no he's not giving anything either like she has to really carry this thing all the way on her shoulders but I think in the very slightest of defenses for him there aren't that many scenes between them. Well, that, but he's Johnny Depp. Like, he needs to make it count where it's there. Like, I feel like that's oh, yeah, why no, I, he's, I agree. that's why he's in the movie. You know, like, we need to stunt cast the husband because he's barely in this thing. So when he shows up, it's like, going to be great and it's going to be quick, but he's going to nail it and he just fucking doesn't. All right, Jess, what other things about this movie did you not hate? What what brought it up to the level of indifference? I think it's the fact that, like, I think the storyline has something at parts i find it kind of comical in like a bad way so like it's good in like a bad film way but it's not good in a good movie way so that's why i'm kind of like 
I don't know if I like it. I paid attention to the whole thing, I think, because I had to, and it was 6.30. <laughs> it was 6.30 in the morning when I started watching it, so I was, like, wide awake. Whoa. Don't do that. So, <laughs> it was the first thing I did yesterday morning. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't know. And maybe it's the nostalgia piece of I remember when I watched this the first time. And we're so indifferent. It's the nostalgia of yeah. indifference. I feel like, in terms of a bad movie sense, it's just, it's too slow and not enough crazy stuff happens. Mm. Like, there's not, there's nothing that, like, to really sink your teeth into you here and be like, can you believe how crazy all of this is? It's just like, oh, this is just bland. I yeah. think it's crazy, crazy how stupid the plot is. Well, that's true. That's fair. That's a good point. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, like, I've been really hard on this movie tonight. You know, I, I'm not sure if it necessarily deserves all of it but like it's not a good movie i do like i think it does okay i like i'll tell you what i like about it i actually like where it starts like i like the premise here like i think there's something to work with it's just that it devolves into something you've seen a million times from every angle and that's what pisses me off is like it thinks it's being artistic and i think that's it too it's just like really pompous and shit at times and it's just like fucking the artsy version of the alien invasion and it's just like boring and frustrating and it it angers me because you know like I'm ready to sit down and accept you know a difficult science fiction movie mystery like give it to me bring it to me like I was ready for this movie and it just totally disappointed I just feel like the timing of everything is off like you were saying before like they don't spend enough time before he leaves and then i feel like if they were if he was in space longer it would be cool like if he was missing for longer it would be cooler because i agree like the beginning of this is cool because i knew that the metacritic score or whatever was really really low i had seen on letterbox that you gave it a really bad score that somebody (laughs) else i follow gave it a really bad score that had a really bad average and so I knew I wasn't, like, getting into a great movie. But, like, the first, like, 10 or 15 minutes where I was like, wait, like, am I going to like something that nobody else likes? And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Here it comes. Like, here's the rest of the nonsense. It's aggravating when there's, like, a... You don't need to have a truly original premise because I feel like most stories have been done. The story you were saying earlier, Mike, that you wanted to write in college, like, that story has been done, but you just put a twist on it that was unique. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the alien invasion, the body snatcher, whatever, like, that's been told you don't need to like reinvent the wheel just like do something interesting with it and this movie just doesn't agreed yeah i'm just spent on it <laughs> no it's fine so this movie cost 75 million dollars whoa and made it made 19 million so ouch huge 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 where's block. the money uh johnny depp was probably 20 vhs CGI? Oh my god, dude. Like, seriously, I don't know where the money went. I mean, maybe it just took forever and he just, you know, it was just like a blank check kind of thing and a black hole consumed the production of this. Real Hollywood movie. <laughs> Baby face. Any other notes before we get onto Hollywood Tycoon? No, thank I don't you. have anything else. <laughs> Our favorite game here on Watch the Throne is Hollywood Tycoon, a.k.a. the recast game. Uh, so the rules of this game are simple. There are three of them. Well, there's four of them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it right this time. Number one, you cannot turn any non-white characters white, so Sherman Reese cannot become a white man in this movie. Number two, you cannot turn any female characters into a male character, just because we're trying to preserve equality and not and stop taking things from women. Number three, if you want to cast a fictional character or an object or whatever, if you want to replace Johnny Depp with a mop in this movie, I mean, it might be more charismatic, so <laughs> that would be an okay substitution. And rule number four, which does not 
apply to Jess, but does apply to me and Mike. Mike and I cannot recast someone that we cast last week. So they are off filming our remakes of Mighty Joe Young. We cannot cast anybody from those teams or our own team this week. So with that said, we are recasting the main four parts in this movie. We are recasting the Charlie Theron part. We are recasting the Johnny Depp part, the Joe Morton, Sherman Reese part, the... What's his name? What's, what are you even calling him? Not Miles. Miles Dyson from... Yeah, Miles just, Dyson. Yeah, from T2. <laughs> and uh, we are recasting the Clea Duval part, Charlize's sister, and also redoing the director. So, Jess, you are the guest. We are going to let you go first. Who did you put in the Nan role, the Clea Duval role, the sister who is murdered off screen, I guess? No, eaten by Johnny Depp. Oh yeah, my god, I forgot to mention weird, like, he eats her. No, but he doesn't eat her. He just like opens his mouth and the frequency starts coming out. So oh, like he looks he like he's eating her. her. And then he's just like opening and closing his mouth and the frequency is coming out and it explodes her brain and she dies. I don't want to get back into this, but that should have transformed her into part alien. How does Charlize know that he did that based on scratches on his hand? Because he subconsciously tells the unborn twins and she absorbs that memory link. Yes. Oh, I missed so much of this movie, apparently. <laughs> All right, Jess, for the consumed man, who'd you cast? Um, so I wrote down a lot of people to recast in this movie because I thought in my head, I'm like, okay, this could be remade several times. Here are the people that I would have remake it every time. I have down Annalee Tipton. She's from the movie Warm Bodies and also Crazy Stupid Love. Oh, she came up? Somebody else? Yeah. Uh, she's 5'10". She was... Who recast her? I want to say... Cause, oh, man. Was it... God, who was that? I want to say either Nico or Brian, but I can't... It was recent. No, it wasn't... It was... I think it might have been Brian on the Celebrity episode. Uh, Annalie Tipton was on Celebrity, yes. Wow. So Brian Rodriguez, this actress that I've seen in things that I did not know her name has now come up twice in three weeks. Yep. So Jess, why did you go with Annalie Tipton? Well, I went with her and I also went with Haley Bennett. They're good as like supporting roles. And I can see them in a like younger sister. I'm using like air quotes. I see them in like a younger sister role. Okay. If you had to pick one, who would you pick? I think I'd go with Annalie Tipton. Cool. 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 Mike, who did you go with in the Nan Clea Duval role? Clea Duval, who is a very funny comedic actress, who is given like there's nothing funny about this movie. Like I, I it's just strange. <laughs> Yeah, it was unfortunate. I saw her pop up and I was like, oh, good. And then I was like, where'd she go? Where is she? She needs to come back. Man, yeah, I wrote down a lot of names too. At one point I recast this whole movie with British actors and I was like, nah, I can't do that because whatever, I just don't want to. Uh, <laughs> eventually, Not that I can't, I just don't want to. <laughs> um, eventually I settled down. Man, this one doesn't make a lot of sense on its own, but I think it makes more sense with who I cast as the sister. But for this, I went with Amanda Seyfried? Is that how you pronounce her name? Okay, yep. Yeah. I don't know. I think she's got a really interesting look. Like, she's kind of got big alien eyes, and it could kind of throw you off a little bit. Is she, uh, has she been taken over or not? Is she on the right side or not? So. Well, there is that Alita Battle Angel movie that's coming out, where it's the live-action movie where uh, they have really huge anime eyes for some reason, so uh, Mm -hmm. that is all the rage right now, I guess. I guess in that regard, you could also cast maybe like a Natalie Dormer kind of role. She's got sort of very prominent, cool-looking eyes. I like Amanda Seyfried. We haven't seen her, I don't think, since she was cracked out staring at the sky in Twin Peaks, roughly, right? Oh, yeah. She's been uh, just, you know, riding around in Caleb Landry Jones' car, cracked out. 
you know, <laughs> demanding money of her mom. I like her. I went with someone who is way too big for this part, but I think would work well in the role. I went with Elizabeth Moss. I think that she could just sort of be that spunky, getting to the heart of the matter, and then unfortunately faces a snuffed out end before her time is up. Okay. Mad Men, right? Mad That's Men. That's what I mostly know her. Yeah. But she's been in a bunch of things. She's, she's in also the, new the thing. Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's Tale, yeah. She was also in Top of the Lake, which is really, really good. Uh, she's oh, the in one I love. The Square, which is oh, okay. the, the new movie from the guy who did Force Majeure. She's been in a bunch mm. of things. Stuff to see Girl Interrupted. All right, Very Jessica. Cool. For the Joe Morton role, the Sherman Reese role, the Miles Dyson role. Cyborg's dad, former. also. The guy's got lots of cool roles. He's always a scientist of some kind, like whether it be NASA or you know Skynet. Star Labs. Always science background. Who did you cast in this role? I can't pronounce this guy's name at all. Cool. The actor, his name is like, it's like Chiwoodle. Chiwoodle Ejiofor? Yes, thank you. He's I'm like, awesome. someone's going to know how to say this. Yes, I there thought he go. would be great. I like that too. I feel like, sort of like my Elizabeth Moss, it's like a little bit of a too big of an actor for the role, but I think, you know, in this in this game, there are no there are no real other rules, and so if, we, if we're going to force him to accept a bit part... Like, it's crazy to me that there are basically four characters in this movie, and two of them are small parts. Like, and, like, Johnny Depp's a small part, too. Like, it's, it's just... I feel like we don't know anything about Charlize, and she's the only, like, actual character. Like, mm-hmm. how is this movie a movie? I'm so upset that the other astronaut died and the wife committed suicide, because I thought that was the whole point was that like these aliens are on earth together and they're gonna whatever but they kill off one of the aliens like this is the stupidest thing i don't understand the that. other woman who was also pregnant with twins dun 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 oh boy all right mike okay. who you recast in so, the sherman reese yeah i don't know i mean i went huge with this one like i needed someone in here to really beef up this role because i mean even more so than you know the johnny depp role like this is more important yep. you know like this it this is. is an actual substantial role so I went with Idris just a sperm vessel no yeah so the one leftover from my British recast is Idris Elba and that's who I got oh you know coincidentally I also recast someone from The Wire in this role I recast Andre Royo (laughs) Mr. Bubbles himself I think Bubbles could do like that kind of like paranoid everybody's coming to get me but he's also right you know what I mean like uh, Mm -hmm. he sees the way that the streets really are but nobody really believes him because he's a junkie so at one point I was trying to do like a made for TV version of this and I had Isaiah Whitlock Jr. who plays Clay Davis (laughs) as Mr. Reese because I just wanted him to come on exactly lady there's a lot of she going on (laughs) that you don't know about I love it. I love it. I love it. All right, Jess, we have two parts left, and then we're going to do the director. So the Johnny Depp role, let's get him as far away from this vehicle as we possibly can. Who did you put in the commander, Spencer Amacost? Lee Pace. Oh, okay. Is he British? He is British, right? Yes. Or no? I think. Lee Pace, the star of Pushing Daisies. He No, he was, he was born in Oklahoma. Huh. I always thought he was British. So did I. He's an American actor. I really don't know him from anything. I mean, I know he's Ronin, but, like, you don't really get a sense of, like, him from that role. Like, I don't, you know, I haven't seen him out of makeup, I feel. He's in that movie, The Fall. Tarzan oh, my Singh God, he's Fall. in the Book of da- of the book of Henry. Oh, is my he? God, he's in the Book of Henry. Who is he in the Book of Henry? Dr. David Daniels. He's Who Henry's doctor. That? Yes. Oh, my God. Holy yes. shit. Oh, he's also the star of Halt and Catch Fire. Yes. So that's a, that's a big thing. He's the creepy elf in... The Hobbit? The Hobbit. There you go. 
Interesting. Mike, who'd oh, right. you go with to replace Johnny Depp? I love this guy. Uh, he's oh, He surprises me in every movie I watch. I'm like, God, oh, I, I was like, I can't believe he's the best part. And he's going to get an Oscar any day now. Chris Pine. Oh. I'm going with Chris Pine. I really feel like he has like that sort of astronaut feel for me and or whatever it takes. He's got the right stuff kind of look. And I think he would uh, be really good in this role. I think if they, I mean, if they expanded it, they'd really have to, I, my, you know, my director would definitely crack yeah. the one point of view perspective of this film and expand the view. So. Chris Pine already a pilot of sorts, right? So, I mean, he can, he can oh, lock yeah. into that Captain role. Kirk. So I went with someone, I feel like he's very good. I, this is somebody mostly, well, no, I guess he's done movies. I went with Evan Peters from American Horror Story, Mr. Evan, Mr. Emma Roberts. Um, at least they're dating or whatever, I think. Probably, still, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I wanted to do them as sort of as a package couple, the two of them, but I was like, she can't... I don't think... Like, I love Emma Roberts, but I don't think she could pull off this lead role. I think he could be good as that kind of creepy, menacing, physically imposing, mm. especially after this most recent sto- season of American Horror Story, which I did not like very much at all, but he is pretty consistently, like, the best part as just, like, this deranged cult leader. So mm. I think he could sort of pull off that alien-type personality. He's also Quicksilver, so he's awesome in that role. He is Quicksilver. Jess, who did you cast in the lead role, the Charlize role, the the, the woman we are all here to talk about? I have a list of actors here. <laughs> I wanted to choose someone who had like really strong facial expressions because I feel okay. like that was a lot of this role. I'm like struggling, but I feel like Claire Danes is really good at oh. facial expressions and she has such a wonderful, ugly cry face. And I feel like I would love to see her ugly cry in this movie. Huh. That's interesting. I like that. I'm trying to think of what movie it was recently that I was like, that it's basically all facial expressions. Oh, shoot. What is it? I don't know, but the Claire Danes movie I always think of now is T3 for some reason, and now I've brought up two Terminator movies in one podcast. So, Linda Hamilton out there, anybody? There we go. (laughs) Now I brought up three. (laughs) I think the facial expression thing is good. I think someone we've recast... Have we recast, Mike? Have we recast Brie Larson in other things? I think so, right? feels like we have. I'm having trouble remembering all the recasts from week to week. I need a chart. No, we have not cat recast Brie Larson. That's kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking of Don John. In that movie, Brie Larson does not talk, I don't think, until the very end. And like the entire movie is just her amazing facial expressions. I think that would be a, a good choice in terms of face. That's not who I cast, but I think in terms of facial expressions, I, I love actresses who can sort of pull that off. Who else do you have on your list for the Charlize part? Another person I had on here was Abby Cornish. I know the name. Who is she? This is like an older movie, but she was in the movie Candy with Heath Ledger. Okay. She's in Sucker Punch. She hasn't been... Oh, she's in Geostorm. Oh, God. Box Office Smash. Yes. Oh, three oh, billboards, which I haven't seen yet, but... Well, maybe by the oh. time this comes out, but... Who is she in Three Billboards? Says Annie. Um, let me see here. Is she the... <laughs> she was in New Robocop as Murphy's wife. Okay. I think that's where I've seen her. Yeah, I think I've seen her in a bunch of things I just can't think of. But yeah, that's cool. Who else? So to go with your Chris Pine, I wrote down Alice Eve. Nice. Oh. Yep. Another one was Natalie Portman. I thought cool. of her for this. Yeah, especially since I saw the Annihilation trailer. I was like, she's been in my mind for sci-fi for some reason. All right, Mike, who did you go with to right. pair with your sister, your sister casting of Amanda Seyfried? I actually feel like these two kind of look like they could be sisters, but I, I really love this actress, and if I was casting my version of this movie from my script from college or what, what have you, uh, I think she'd play a really good lead. She also kind of has these really great, amazing eyes. Uh, Olivia Wilde. Go mm. with 
for my lead role. I like that a lot. I like her. I've always thought that she's a really good actress that doesn't really yeah. do a whole lot of lead roles necessarily. I don't know, but every time she shows up, I'm always impressed. What has she been doing lately aside from popping up babies with Jason Sudeikis? Like, has she been acting lately? I don't know. I, don't, I haven't seen her in a while, so that's another reason. Is just, uh, just get her back I in, see her in, a, in a movie, so I want to see her in in my version Wasn't of this. she on that TV show Vinyl for a little while? Oh, that's Wasn't it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Vinyl. yeah, before Vinyl got canceled. Well, before yeah. Vinyl got renewed and then canceled. Yeah. She, I, I've liked her since she was on House. Uh, she was in Drinking Buddies, which was awesome. Yep. Yeah, she's uh, she's great. I like that. I was going to go with, I, I messaged you about this, Mike. I think Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who you cast last week in Mighty Joe Young, would mm. be a great choice here. I went with someone, because to me, this part needs to be you against the world. Like, if she's isolated, she's got no one to talk to, except for maybe a seagull that she names Steven Seagull. Oh, I nice. went with Blake Lively. Love her. Because I think that you could that she could pull this off, that she's like this dynamic actress, again, who like isn't in a ton of things yet, should be in more, I think, but is like can sort of play that detective-ish role, can still stand on her own. Uh, I think that she would be pretty good in this lead part. Yeah, I love her. I definitely think that she could play this very, very well, better, maybe even. I mean, Charlize does it well, no, you know, but like yep. in a different type of movie, you know, definitely. So, Jess, in this film of yours starring Claire Danes, Lee Pace, Chiwetel Ejiofor, and Annalie Tipton, who is behind the camera calling the shots? I didn't write that part down. You didn't do a director? Think about it. Think about it. Maybe maybe we didn't prep you for this adequately. I don't enough. know, because I don't know. I watch the movie for the actors. I usually don't pay attention to who's directing. So then what? Okay, so then how about... Mike and I can go and you think about it, but like think about movies. The way that I do the directors, I think about movies that the the guy or the girl has done has made in the style of the movie that I sort of want to re envision. Mm-hmm. And so if you think of a movie that you want to sort of make it in the style of, then we can go with the director of whatever that is. No pressure. If you don't if you if you don't want to do a director, uh, we can we can skip that for you. But Mike, who did you cast or who did you hire? as your recast director. He's only directed one movie so far, but he's written mm. a lot of great science fiction movies. I mentioned Annihilation because that's going to be the second movie he directed. I knew, yep. Alex we Garland. Match. We matched? Yep, we have a match. No shit. Yep. <laughs> that's two weeks in a row where we got a match, but uh, yep. that's awesome. Yeah, I just, I, I think that he would fucking kick the shit out of this material. The way the reason I picked him is because there's not a lot of people making sci-fi movies right now, and there's even fewer making good sci-fi movies right now. You know, if you're going to remake a movie like this that's sort of a, uh, a sci-fi movie, but it's, like, centered around a human, like, you know, a, mm-hmm. like a human story, I mean, like, look no further to me than Ex Machina. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, Very few uh, number of people in the cast as well, you yeah. know? Uh, yep. Yeah, that's a good point, too, right? He's His movie's so... It, that movie, but, like, I feel like what he writes about, too, is just the alienation of the humanity or, like, just not feeling human. It, yeah, he would do really well. You know who another You know another person that I would throw my hat in the ring for? And actually, I'm going to change it so that we... Well, I like Alex Garland. I'm going to change it so we don't have another match. I'm going to go with someone who's made two movies. Uh, the first one, real hard science fiction uh, to the point of almost incomprehension. Uh, the second one, oh. more ethereal and dreamy. And then the third movie, please let it come out. I know who you're talking please. about. I will, I will murder people to see The Modern Ocean. Just yep. give me Shane Carruth. Great. Just give me a movie with Shane Carruth behind the camera. In front of the camera, who cares? Give him a lot of money. Let me see The Modern Ocean. Seriously? Please, 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 please. What is going on in the state of the films where we have all this 
superhero shit and like we can't get one more movie out of this like for this guy like just give him all the monies just give him all the money in the world just a real Balthazar Getty move he doesn't even need it bro like he needs like nothing to make his vision just ah it's man it's more frustrating than this movie (laughs) Jesse you know about uh, the modern do you know who Shane Carruth is have you seen Primer or Upstream Color no I feel like I need to write these down Uh, so Primer is basically the most scientifically accurate I guess time travel movie maybe the best one (laughs) <laughs> that's a bold, that's a hot take, but... <laughs> it's really, really good. He wrote and directed it and was trying to get an actor to play the lead role, and he's like, nobody can do this, I'm just going to do this, and he was the star of it, and it's great. It's like 76 minutes long. Uh, I watched it three times in a row the first time I saw it. I'm just like, I still don't understand it. Then he made a movie called Upstream Color, which was him and Amy Simetz, who I love, who is in the new Alien movie, just wearing flip-flops in outer space. And that's <laughs> just like, it's beautiful, Like, and it's just like... Primer is like a cool movie, like somebody just making their first movie. This is like somehow like, like the score is beautiful and like it just looks great. Yeah, it like, like gives Terrence Malick like a run for his money. <laughs> yep. You know, like honestly. <laughs> and then there's this movie called The Modern Ocean, which has been billed as if this guy, instead of having like $10,000, had like $100 million. Supposedly, according to Letterboxd, has a cast of Daniel Radcliffe, Chloe Grace Moretz, Jeff Goldblum, Keanu Reeves, Tom Holland... Anne Hathaway, Aza Butterfield, Shane Carruth. Like, it's just, I need this movie. Um, I so, don't know, you know anything about it. If we can't have it, the Modern but... Ocean, like, nobody does. But, like, if we can't have the Modern Ocean, let him at least remake The Astronaut's Wife yes. or something. I don't know. All right, Jess, do you have a director? Do you have a movie you have in mind that you would like to steal the director from? You just mentioned Terrence Malick, so I'm going to go with him. That's not a terrible idea. That's a kind of, it'd be very dreamy. I mean... It'd be more I'd like, uh, artistic. I'd like to see his take on the uh, telepathy stuff. Yeah. And how he would like show the alien what the alien sees and how he sees too, possibly. Yeah, instead of just looking at two fetuses in the womb, that'd be cooler. Yeah. You know, I almost went with David Lynch because of what he could do with the fetuses and stuff like that, like in the womb mm-hmm. imagery, but it just wasn't you know ab- enough about that, so I, I nixed that choice. He's also still too busy shooting my remake of Trial and Error, where he's also starring oh as a judge. Oh my god, he's burning down the set still. That movie's like almost a year in now. You know, production has halted on, <laughs> on uh, the set of Trial and Error as we try to make sense of that script. Cool. So that was the Hollywood Tycoon game. Again, once again, for a lot of these movies, I feel like all of, like I feel like even movies we like, like that thing you do, our recasts are always going to be better movies in theory. So once again... I think we're nine for nine. I'd rather see any one of our remakes than the movie we actually watched. But alas, uh, we do have an email address for this podcast, watch at cageclub.me. You can email us. We do not have any email today, but send us a note. Let us know what you think of the show or Charlize or her movies or this movie or the recast games. Jess, I forgot. We mentioned this on an episode or two ago. I forgot that like months ago, you sent us an email of Charlize playing backgammon on the set of some movie. You sent us to the Zack Attack email because you said, I don't know any of the other emails. And so we finally <laughs> mentioned that email on air. So thank you yes. for so far being the first and only person to email this show. You're welcome. I'm really big into emails. If you couldn't tell. You are great at emails. And that's electronic mail, right? Electronic <laughs> it mail. It is. Nice. 
All right, so the next segment on the show is the awards segment on the show. When we get to the golden wallpapers or whatever it's going to be for The golden tooth? (laughs) The golden teeth. I was just echoing what you said without processing it, but I like that. The grills? I mean, it could just be like, you know, a, a row of gold teeth. In front of a black bag, we we have room to work with there. I like that. Let's let's think about that. Let's think about that. So for the Watch the Throne Awards, we have I nominated this movie first off for worst film. I think it's up there. Yeah. Uh, I nominated this for best character transformation. Like I said, victim to alien. I nominated this movie for one other award for best dance scene, which so nice. far is running unopposed. Don't know if that will stick around. But Mike, what else in this movie do you think was good or bad enough to warrant recognition in the Golden Wallpapers, the oh, Golden man. Teeth, the the Grills Awards? Are we going to do worst sex scene or something like that? Uh, we could. I don't know if we should, but like that was more or less a joke, but... Um... I mean, definitely worst movie, for sure. Like, I'm with you there, absolutely. I don't know. This is a tough one. Like, I didn't really... I wanted to say something about those fetuses, like the effect, like worst effect or something. But again, like, we only get one or two shots, so it's not, like, bothersome enough. I wish I had more to contribute to this segment right now, but, like, the movie was so lame, I couldn't even come up with, like, categories to nominate it for. Jess, is there anything about this movie, I mean, aside from the fact that you have said multiple times you feel rather indifferent to it, uh, is there anything about this movie that you like or dislike enough that you want to see honored and recognized? Yeah, I would say worst supporting actor. You know, in we Depp? haven't done that, but, like, we could do that. I was thinking that for Johnny Depp, right? Yeah, because we usually do best actor who isn't the main actor. So we could say worst male actor slash role. I like that. Though. Johnny Depp as Spencer Armacost. <laughs> Armacost to an arm and a leg. So now the question then, Mike, is if we do worst female or worst male actor role, oh, worst female non-Charlize actress slash role, I think we have to nominate Kenneth Brenner. Kenneth Branagh, yep. Absolutely. I mean, Rip Torrance slides by thanks to Kenneth Branagh. (laughs) Is there anybody else in the movie that we've seen so far that has been truly atrocious? Um, you know, no, no one, no one really snaps to mind like immediately. So, like, not like Kenneth Branagh does. So, like, therefore, I don't think no, not off the bat. Like, even Kramer isn't. You know, by the end of that movie, like, he's just being Kramer. Jeff Daniels is holding it together. So, yeah, I think. I think the rest of the guys for now are in the clear. Like, Hollywood Confidential is a bad movie, but, like, nobody... Like, it's not the actor's fault. It's just, like, it's literally everything behind the camera. Trial and Error is not Kramer's fault that it doesn't work. It's just, like... It's just a poorly made movie. Two Days in the Um, Valley, like... Some of those characters are dicks. Oh, maybe we do Jeff Daniels in that movie. Oh, there we go. Okay. That's funny. I forgot Jeff Daniels. What's his character name? Let's see here. Beardo. Alvin. Thank you for that idea, Jess. We have... (laughs) <laughs> quickly populated the category. You're Don't welcome. Terrible, terrible actors. Uh, anything else in this movie that you that really stands out to you, either good or bad? Um, no, I'm just glad it's over. I feel like I have a streak of watching movies that are either really terrible or that I'm indifferent to when it comes to guesting on these podcasts. <laughs> well, you know, one of these times we're going to get to a movie that you like. One I mean, day. Babes in Toyland. Italian chef kissing his fingers. In <laughs> yeah, that was legendary. <laughs> the further we get from that, you know, the better it mm-hmm, is. So mm-hmm. That's right. It's not too late to watch it. Tis the season while we're recording this. Tis the season indeed, although this is going to come out in January, so, you know, get ready for next Christmas. 
That's right. I'm still indifferent, even after having this discussion with you guys. <laughs> I love it. The movie is kind of sexist, but, you know, I'm going to keep my indifference. Well, one thing I can say you are not indifferent to, if I may toot my own horn, on the, the podcast feature segment of the show, I want to bring special attention to Zack Attack, the Zack Efron podcast, which is now in semi-hibernation as we wait for new movies to come out. I feel like as this comes out, we're probably not that far away from a home video release of either The Disaster Artist or The Greatest Showman. But Zack Attack, the Zack Efron podcast that I host with Joe Two, who was on the Trial and Error episode of this very show. Jess Collins was a super fan, wrote in emails almost every episode, was our Vanna White color commentator on the Zephy's Awards, braved the shit show that was a very drunk Joe Two with me. <laughs> I thank you for that. So if you are looking for things to listen to, if you've listened to all nine episodes of Watch the Throne, go check out Zach Attack, the Zach Efron podcast. I feel like we really found our groove about halfway through, and so start somewhere maybe in the middle and just sort of go from there, but go check that out. Mike, any last thoughts about either this movie or Charlize mm. or, I don't know, anything else on your mind? Man, I wish this was better. Like, I just, yep. I mean, it's there, you know? It's all there. It's just the guy fucking fumbled the whole deal, like right down the lane he fumbled the the ball down the lane that's where it goes right (laughs) it's just like as we're recording this this is not gonna be a timely reference at all last night as Derek Carr stretched his hand out to try to score a touchdown to put the the Raiders ahead of the Cowboys fumbled through the end zone turned the ball over Cowboys won the game so here Rand Ravitch reaching for the end zone and just fumbling it away yeah it's so close to goodness and yeah. yet nothing yeah this is like so close to like an Alan Smithy film that's like the name you put on a movie when you don't want sure. your name on it you know and yep. yeah this is just autorism at its worst like it's just blank check run rampant yeah it was a bummer I'm just I'm just bummed so I'm looking well, forward week, to next week a movie I have not seen Cider Rules been waiting um, to watch this movie for a while. It's been on my list for a long time. Very big film, so we hopefully will rebound next week with one of our favorite past guests making his first appearance on the show. Tune in next week for that. Just any last thoughts about The Astronaut's Wife or Charlize or anything? You'll be back down the road for at least one or two more things. So, any other last thoughts for now? Nope. Uh, maybe I'll send you guys some emails so that I am not too far away. You're always close to our hearts. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining us. Jess will be back, not for a while, but, you know, for two bigger movies down the road. But for all things Watch a Throne and every other show that Jess has written emails into, you can go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub or at cageclubpod on Twitter. You can find every episode of every one of our shows. We are probably days or... No, we are literally days away from Tobin's new show. Uh, Tobin, who has not been on this program yet, but has been on Cage Club and Keanu Club and Cinemakers. The Contenders launches, I think, next week, maybe? Yeah, next week. Like, basically in a week or something. Or maybe two weeks, I don't know. Soon. Go check out The Contenders. So cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, at cageclubpod on Twitter. Email us, and I'm talking to you too, Jess. Watch at cageclub.me. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was Jess Collins, a.k.a. Jess Knight. And we'll see you next time. Watch the Thread. I got a dirty mind, I got filthy ways I'm trying to bathe my aid in your Milky Way I'm a legend, I'm irreverent, I be reverent I be so far, uh, 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 uh. we don't give a fuck uh, uh. Welcome to the danger zone, step into the fantasy You are not invited to the other side of sanity They calling me an alien, a big-headed astronaut Maybe it's because your boy, easy get yeah, ass a lot